When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Talking Hockey Sense. I'm Chris Peters. This is episode 31 of the podcast. So glad that you could join me for it. We've got a lot to talk about, mostly about the World Juniors, but certainly the Olympics as well, and a lot going on. Really excited to have on the podcast a good friend of mine from the road. Often see him around the rinks. He is Mike Morial of NHL.com, covers the NHL draft, also the New Jersey Devils, and he'll be covering the World Juniors, and is on site right now at Plymouth, Michigan, where Team USA selected its final roster for the 2022 World Junior Championship. That is going to be the focus today. USA has finalized its roster. Canada has done the same. Russia, Finland, Sweden, among the others that have finalized the roster. So we will talk about all of that as we go forward. Also, with Mike on the podcast being in Plymouth, we focused a lot on USA with him. We did record the podcast before Team USA's roster was picked, so there's a little stuff in there that might sound a little outdated, but it's also still very relevant to the selection process and everything else, which is why uh, I didn't edit it, mainly because also I'm my own producer, and uh, that just seemed like a lot of work. But also, again, it's relevant. I think you'll find it informative. And really, you know, we didn't talk about any players that got cut, thankfully. Uh, so that is also a big thumbs up uh, for us there. So um, anyway, that conversation is coming up. Before we get to that, uh, I did want to kind of go over some of the, the other things and, and also wanted to remind you that if you want an in-depth look at all the teams, the players, the prospects. First of all, I will be covering the tournament for dailyfaceoff.com, which is where I write twice a week. On top of that, on Hockey Sense on Substack, which is my subscription site, you will be able to read much more about the World Junior Championship. There is actually a free story on the site right now. Um, if you hurry up and go find it, uh, there are plenty of links to subscribe in there, but that is uh, essentially a breakdown of Team USA's final roster, including a lot of, uh, uh, including a lot of things that uh, you know, just kind of extra context on certain decisions. I have a lot on the Russian team that was announced on uh, Tuesday as well, so that will help kind of provide some additional thoughts and commentary on what happened with Team Russia, because there was certainly some controversy with the way that they picked their team. Uh, hopefully was able to, to provide a little bit more insight there. But you can get that one for free. And then otherwise, 
This is the little tip that I'm going to give you about Hockey Sense. If you only care to learn about the World Junior Championship, you can sign up right now for a one month subscription. So it's a month you 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 sign up for the monthly. It is on an auto renew, but it is cancel anytime. So you can pay your six dollars for the monthly fee. You will have access to the site from now all the way through the World Juniors and even into. The, the post-tournament debrief that it will come on the website after that. Um, and it'll be about USA, Canada, all the teams that I'm going to be seeing up close and personal in Edmonton and Red Deer because I will be on site for the tournament. And that is uh, thanks to Daily Faceoff and also thanks to all of you who are uh, helping support um, my independent media venture. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening to this podcast. As I'll always remind you, please, you know, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already leave a rating and a review, I've seen it's picking up. We're getting more reviews. We're getting more ratings, all positive. Thank you so much for that. And hopefully we'll have lots more positive things, uh, to talk about right here today. And it is an exciting time. Uh, it is a cautiously excited time, obviously, because we've been watching the NHL teams, get ravaged by COVID and positive tests despite vaccinated players. It's certainly a huge concern. Um, There was also some COVID uh, hiccups for USA and Finland in terms of their final rosters and who was available for them. So a lot to talk about on that front, and we will talk about that. I talk about it a little bit with Mike Morial, um, and I'll talk about it later. Also have some questions that were sent in by listeners. So we are going to get to all of that today. And it's all going to be, you know, World Juniors. We will talk a little Olympics. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in the NHL because all of it is relevant and all of it is connected and everything is kind of happening. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to stick with the World Juniors for now. And I'm going to talk a little bit now about Team USA's final roster. Uh, we're going to start there because obviously I'm I'm American and that's probably what you guys are expecting me to go with is the American uh, the, the the final roster for Team USA, um, 25 players were named to the team, and that means that the, the roster is locked in. Once that team goes to Canada, and they will arrive tomorrow on, uh, on December 15th, I should say, since this is going to be coming out on December 15th, so they will be arriving in Canada Wednesday. Uh, once the team is there and everybody's arrived and everybody's all together, they are not going to be adding players, so they're kind of doing it that way. That's why they have the rosters expanded to 25. There's plenty of that. So keep an eye out for, uh, you know, any other possible changes to rosters. If anything, it would be player losses, not player additions. So that's the kind of unfortunate thing of where we're at now and how we have to play, uh, how, how everything has to go so that they have this tournament. Um, but team USA, if you, uh, did not know is, had a training camp in Plymouth, Michigan. As I mentioned, Mike Morial is there. We talked to him a little bit um, on the podcast. Team USA finalized its roster. They had four goaltenders, 10 defensemen, and 17 forwards initially named to the roster. They lost Thomas Bortolo, San Jose Sharks draft prospect, due to a positive COVID test. And Sean Barron's a defenseman, was in COVID protocol and not available to go to camp. Team USA replaced Barron's in the camp roster with Jack Pert from uh, St. Cloud State, and he did um, end up making the final roster, as you'll hear in just a minute. So he goes from not invited to camp to on the team. Pretty crazy turn of events there for Jack Pert, and, and big credit to him. Uh, team USA's final roster is the three goaltenders, Drew Camesso from Boston University, Caden Embarico, um, D- Dylan Silverstein. On defense, they've got Brock Faber, 
Luke Hughes, Wyatt Kaiser, Tyler Clevin, Ian Moore, Scott Morrow, Jack Pert, and Jake Sanderson. The forwards are Matty Beneers, Brett Berard, Logan Cooley, Matt Coronado, Tanner Dickinson, Dominic James, Matt Nyes, Chaz Lucius, Carter Mazur, Sasha Pastajov, Mackie Samuskevich, Red Savage, Landon Slager, and Ty Smolanik. And you got to give a lot of credit to those guys. Unfortunately, you know, not everybody can make the team. They did have so many players in. The players that were cut from camp were defensemen Connor Kelly and Jacob Truscott, both uh, released. And forwards Declan McDonald and Dylan Peterson, as well as goalie Luke Pavisic, who made the camp despite not playing in any live games this year. So a good experience for him, but unfortunately, uh, they he, he did not make the team. So Team USA's roster, not a lot of fireworks, not a lot of controversy or anything like that. Losing Thomas Bortolo to the co- to COVID, he would certainly have been Team USA's number two center. It looks like Logan Cooley is going to take his place, and Mike will explain that a little bit further. He's been on, on site watching how that's all played out. Bortolo not being there is a substantial loss for Team USA. Matty Beneers in, in the media availability on Monday said, you know, nobody can fill his boots, but somebody's going to have to step up and fill that gap. And I think that that is really, um, you know, that's the key in anything like this. And that's going to be the key if there's injuries, if there's COVID diagnosis, if there's anything like that where you start losing players, you for, you know, it's next man up. We hear that all the time. It's cliche, but it's true. Um, we'll also have to wait and see. Is Team USA going to ice eight defensemen in their roster and 12 forwards? Or are they going seven and 13, which is the more traditional way? Um, they have those options. So uh, do talk about that with, with Mike as well. But they've got three right shot defensemen on the team. Brock Faber, Scott Morrow, and Ian Moore. Um, it looks like Luke Hughes potentially could play on his offhand side. Wyatt Kaiser has done some offhand side work as well. Um, you know, So those are guys that, that can play in that way. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it all goes in terms of lineup and everything else. Um, but that is going to be interesting uh, to watch. When it comes to leadership, and there's a question about this later that I'll that I'll address more directly, but leadership, I mean, Maddie Beniers and, and Jake Sanderson are the driving force of this team um, at forward and defense, respectively. Jake Sanderson, of course, number five pick of the Ottawa Senators last draft or in the 2020 draft. Maddie Beniers, the number two overall pick of the Seattle Kraken um, in 2021. And, you know, those two guys are going to wear letters on this team. They're going to be big time contributors. I think Beniers will play a ton. Sanderson will play even more. Um, they are going to be driving players for this group. But then you look at the rest of the roster and you see Brock Faber, who I mentioned, he is a returning player. Tyler Clevin is a returning player. Brett Berard, returning player. So they've got some experience on their, in their group and Beniers and Berard have played together before. It looks like they're going to play together again. You could put a number of players, Matt Coronado um, being a, a real likely guy to, to be um, on that line with them. Um, you know, and then that second line, it's looking more like Logan Cooley, Matt Nyes, and then one of could be Mackie Samuskevich, could be uh, Sasha Pasajov, could be uh, Tyson Milanic. It's kind of up for grabs at that point. And that's kind of what you see. Um, with this US team. You're going to see a lot of changes and a lot of movement. That's the way it goes. It's just how things work. Also at forward, you're going to see a name that you might not know, and it's Dominic James. And uh, I wanted to, to focus on him for a minute because I've talked about him before in previous podcasts and, you know, alerted, uh, wrote right after the icebreaker that he all of a sudden was on Team USA's radar. And, and it was really that weekend playing for UMD. John Van Beesbrook was in the building. Uh, Nate Lehman was in the building because he was coaching Providence. And here you've got 
Dominic James, who is undrafted, um, not really was was not on anybody's radar for this team at the beginning of the season. He goes out, he has a big performance there, and then he keeps himself in the mix by playing consistently and being dominant. We talked about it with a couple weeks ago with Brad Schlossman about what he's seen, having seen the uh, Minnesota Duluth uh, more recently than I have. And just seeing that, you know, he's continued that pace. He plays with a lot of jump. He's got some grit to him. He's got skill. Um, it sounds like he did really well in some of the shootout drills and things like that. So, you know, those guys always find a way. There's always one or two guys. They're undrafted. You never heard of them. And all of a sudden they come in and they make the team. Um, that's Dominic James this year, a great story. And as I mentioned before, Jack Pert going from 48 hours to, you know, just planning to be part of St. Cloud State, not going to the World Juniors. And then he's on the team. Um replacing Sean Barron's, you know, he's got the mobility two-way skill. I wasn't surprised that, 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 you know, Barron's had beat him out, but when Barron's went out with COVID protocol, they move in pert and then he earned his way onto the team. The two guys that he beat out, you know, Connor Kelly and Jacob Truscott, more defensive minded guys. Uh, Truscott's got some good offensive capabilities as well, but pert's got that puck moving element. He's a really good skater, um, has a little bit more versatility in that way. And I think that that really made the difference for him. Now, as we knew, goaltending was going to be a question for the U.S. Drew Camesso very much looking like he will still be the starter. Caden Embarico, probably his number two. And then underager Dylan Silverstein, likely the number three. There's a lot of pressure on Camesso to really step up. He's a second-round draft pick. He's not had a great season, but he was very good last year. He was very good in his draft year. Um, he's been in big situations before. He is a guy that, you know, would have been on the team last year. Unfortunately, Boston University's COVID protocols at the time knocked him out of contention. So, you know, he didn't have that experience. But there's going to be a lot of pressure put on him to be the guy. Um, he's going to have to handle that and, and and take the reins and maybe, you know, and find a way to exceed expectations. Because very clearly, Team USA is going to need goaltending. They've got one of the best decors, if not the best decor, in this tournament. They don't have necessarily the scoring depth that they did last year. So then you have to figure out, okay, what does that mean for Team USA? Well, it means that their goaltender is going to have to make sure that he keeps them in games and it's going to and gives them a chance because they definitely have the firepower to hang with teams. They just don't have as much as, you know, years past where you're like, where is that offense and scoring going to come from? We are going to find that out. Now, before I spoil the rest of my conversation with Mike Morial, I'm going to send it over there. And I just want to let you know, Mike Morial is one of the nicest human beings that you could ever want to meet. He is one of the hardest workers I've ever been around. This is a guy that is covering an NHL team and the world juniors and everything else simultaneously. He is seemingly tireless and he always has a smile on his face. And uh, just as one of my favorite people in the world, I wanted to have him on here to uh, give you some of the insight from on the ground at USA's training camp. So without further ado, I'm going to send it over to my conversation with Mike Morial of NHL.com. All right, very pleased to be joined by my guest today. He is... At NHL.com, you can read all of his great reporting there on the New Jersey Devils and also the NHL draft and and now also reporting live from Plymouth, Michigan at the U.S. National Junior Team Selection Camp. He is Mike Morial. He is a 
New Jersey hockey, high school hockey hall of famer. If I'm, did, or is it just New Jersey hockey hall of famer? Uh, New Jersey high school hockey hall of fame. Yes. You got yes. it right, Chris. Yes. 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 See, I want to make sure all the honorifics are taken care of before <laughs> I go any further, but Mike, you've been covering um, the NHL, the NHL draft prospects, the world juniors for a long time at NHL.com now in Plymouth. And then thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. Um, I got to start off. I mean, you, you've been the man on the ground. You've been able to see how things are going. Team USA's cut downs. By the time this actually comes out, the roster will likely be known, uh, but we're recording before that happens. So just in your general sense so far, uh, are there any things that have stood out to you from USA's uh, camp to date? And if so, what might those be? Well, it's a pleasure first to join you, Chris. Thank you so much for, for having me on the program. Uh, enjoy it very much. Hockey Sense has been outstanding. You do a fantastic job. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you know, coming in, I don't think we really anticipated a lot of surprises with this particular team. Um, there is, you know, of, of course, you watch Matty Beniers, the kid's a leader, right, Chris? You know this. Um, he's showing it here at camp playing so well, he knows he's good, but just the fact that he wants to play good in front of maybe some of these younger kids, the guys that are here for their first tour of duty and, and trying to make this team. And he's making an impression on, on a lot of people here. Uh, you know, Jake Sanderson has looked great. Uh, Luke Hughes is starting to find his groove. I think it took him a little bit, uh, you know, the, the morning and afternoon sessions, on, on Monday, we're good. I think he looked a little better today as the team kind of rolled into some practice sessions with power play and penalty kill and face-off work uh, uh, in the morning session. Um, I think a couple surprises that, uh, that kind of stood out to me, um, you know, Dominic James, um, you know, he, he's really, he's really, at first you don't really expect too much from those particular players that might be uh, eligible for the, uh, for the upcoming draft. And I know Dominic was passed over last season, his second uh, chance at, at the draft this year, but he's really shown a lot of speed. He's shown, uh, you know, good play, you know, down low and getting it, getting into the dirty areas. And we all know Nate Lehman likes those players, um, you know, that are gritty, that like to get in there. And I'm always, I've always taken the train of thought or school of thought, Chris, that Lindy Ruff does with the Devils. And that's when you're putting together line combinations. I like I like to have those lines where you have maybe a center and a wing that are skilled, that look good together, that, that have that chemistry. You don't necessarily have to have the chemistry with all three players, but maybe those two players, center wing, and then that third player to be maybe that mucker, that grinder, that guy that'll look at the other two and say, hey, I got your back. And I think that's what Nate was able to do last year with the way he constructed his lineup. And I think this year you're going to see the same thing. And I say that because to me, James has been that type of player, real feisty forward. And I think he can play in a, in a bottom six role uh, with this team. Obviously Landon Slagger ha has looked, you know, big, aggressive, strong on the puck. Um, Matt Coronado has looked uh, very good. I know 100%, and we don't know the line combinations yet, uh, Chris, but I can tell you for, you know, and I'm sure you would agree with me that Matty Beniers and, and Brett Berard are probably going to be together because of the history they have together. Mm -hmm. um, and they've looked really good. Uh, Nate's had them out there. 
uh, for the most part, playing together, and he's been switching off that other wing um, with those two, and they've looked really good. Um, Chris passes, getting into the zone, uh, you know, Benier is doing his thing, you know, top, uh, you know, top of the key and, and doing what he does there. So um, not a lot of surprises. I think your goaltenders are what you maybe might expect it to be as far as uh, Drew Comesso maybe getting the edge, a little bit of an edge here at the start. And then I think Caden uh, Emberico has kind of established himself as that uh, as that backup. If not, maybe they look uh, for Caden to, uh, uh, to, to to battle with, uh, with Drew as that starter. But I think those two right now, look to be, uh, you know, one, two, as far as what I'm seeing at camp. Yeah, well, that's great, great insight, because I mean, and, and Dominic James is a real interesting one. I, you know, I had seen John Van Beesbrook at that icebreaker tournament where, you know, Brett Berard was playing there. And uh, a lot of the, the, the Minnesota Duluth guys, including Dominic James, and, you know, we talked about him, we were like, we both said, this kid plays with such jump and such jam. And just he's a freshman, but he's just in everything. And so, um, not surprised to hear that. And also we didn't mention it, but Thomas Bortolo, we now know is not going to be available for team USA that opens up the center position. Um, it looks like Logan Cooley has gotten some reps in the center position, but that also allows a guy like a Dominic James. There's, there's a little bit of a kind of everybody moves up a little bit, you know, in the, in the process. Right. And then, you know, that, that opens up a spot for somebody like him that could have been on the bubble. Uh, but very interesting nonetheless. So I do want to ask about Logan Cooley because he is the uh, one of the draft eligible players that will be um, with this team. And, and by all, you know, by everything we can gather is, is, and as we don't have the roster yet, but looks to be a lock for, for, for the team. Um, what have you seen from Logan so far in this, in this tournament? And also, you know, we're going to see a lot of draft eligible guys, but he very well could be, one of the best draft eligibles, uh, you know, outside of Shane Wright in this tournament. Yeah, no doubt about it, Chris. Uh, you know, he, and by the way, I mean, Logan, uh, just a little plug here. Logan is doing a, uh, uh, an NFL, uh, NHL draft diary uh, for NHL.com. So you can check that out. Logan has done a real nice job uh, uh, each month. Uh, he comes out with a diary what's going on in his life, how the team, the NTTP is doing and, and how his performances have been, you know, he kind of rates his performance in, in the diary. So it's really cool. So you can check that out, but yes, Logan Cooley, an elite skater, Chris, no doubt about it. His IQ to me is off the charts. So much poise in this kid. Um, he'll, he'll shoot the puck, but a lot, he also has that finesse about him. He can play that. He could be that playmaker uh, if need be. So um, no, he's committed uh, to Notre Dame in 22-23. Um, so at this camp, and we did ask Logan about it when, when unfortunately, Thomas Bordelau, as you mentioned, Chris, um, you know, came down. We, you know, we suspect it could be some type of illness. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for him to come in and get his opportunity here, knowing that Bordelau is out, he said, you know, this is my chance. He goes, uh, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to play wing, whether I was going to play center. Um, but now that uh, Thomas Bordelow is no longer here, um, maybe I have a chance to play that center role that he's, you know, more accustomed to and, and where he excels. And he was actually playing center, Chris, uh, with, with Sasha Postasov and uh, Ty uh, Smolanik, uh for a little bit uh, at this morning's practice. I think they dropped out Smelanic and, and also put in Coronado there to see that threesome with Cooley, Pasha, Coronado. So 
There are several different line adjustments that's going to, you know, we'll be curious to see what they do here by, you know, Thursday, Friday this week, but with the line combinations, but Cooley is that type of player that, you know, pretty much has it all. I would expect him to go top 10 in this draft, Chris. Uh, I'm sure yeah. you'd agree. He's, he's yeah. that talented a player. Um, he's not at the status that Shane Wright is, of course. Not many players are. I don't think there is any player of that status uh, entering the 2022 draft. But Logan Cooley is right there. And among NTDP players this year, I think he stands out among the rest. Has good size at 5'10", about 175 pounds. Um, and I've liked what I've seen this year. So plenty of highlights of him. Uh, you know, you see what the type of kid he is when you speak to him one-on-one. Very humble and what he's uh, able to bring. Um, you know, he's a he's a he's a Pittsburgh Pittsburgh kid, but he's has, has said that he's a big fan <laughs> of Alex Ovechkin, which yeah. is kind of cool. So um, you know, he knows his hockey, knows his players, and uh, he just wants to play and be a part of this team and and excel and and do whatever he can to help uh, help the U.S. win another gold medal. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Logan Cooley fan. You know, I think that there is a wide open race for the number two spot in the draft this year. And I, I put him in that mix. I put him in the mix to be a guy that could challenge. Is he, you know, he doesn't have the size of like maybe a Kamel or, you know, may, might not have some of the different elements that you might see in some of the other players. But you look at the way that he's producing about a point and a half per game at the NTDP. Pretty great. And as you mentioned, a Pittsburgh kid. Now, yes, he is a, a Washington Capitals uh, fan, but he <laughs> came up in the Little Penguins, you know. I mean, so this is, he's really kind of that. And that was, a, that really blew up in the Sidney Crosby years. So, He's kind of generation Crosby coming in uh, to the, to the NHL that we're going to see. And also we're going to see kids from the Potomac Valley as well, that were Alex Ovechkin kids. And um, so there's a lot that's, that's coming, but it's great to see a kid like that come in. And, and as you mentioned, now he has this huge opportunity. I want to move over to the defenseman real quick because, you know, USA has three right shot defensemen in, in the, in camp, you know, Brock Faber, a lock to make it. Uh, You got Scott Morrow, you got Ian Moore. Um, you know, got th- those are the right shots, but it, inevitably somebody's going to have to play on their offside. I know you've been kind of asking some of the guys about, uh, or it's been asked that during our, our availabilities, you know, kind of who's comfortable there based on what you've seen in practice so far, you know, who, who are maybe some of the guys to, to keep an eye on that, that might have to play on their offhand side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think Luke Hughes could be an option there, right, Chris? Uh, you know this as well. I mean, uh, if they want to pair up uh, Jake Sanderson and, and, and Luke Hughes, uh, Luke said he could definitely take that spot and, and make it there, but you're right. I mean, some of these guys are going to have to move over to their, to their right side. I mean, you know, you mentioned Scott Morrow, who's a righty, um, Ian Moore is another one who is, who has played, uh, predominantly on the left side during this camp, but he's, he's one that's also switched, uh, to the, to the right as well. Um, and you know, I, I think, when it comes down to it, I mean, they're going to look for pairs with the that top four that maybe are comfortable with their positional play. So in other words, you might have a Tyler Clevin and a Brock Faber. Now, I know, I know Faber has also played with, uh, with Hughes as well. Hughes has played on the, ri- uh, on the left and then Faber is natural, right? So um, I think there are some options there for, for Nate and what he wants to, to put in the works here, but for the most part, you know, Jack uh, Pierre too, right? Uh, you know, a guy that has come in. Obviously, Sean Burns, um, Chris was 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 released earlier uh, on Sunday, so they bring in uh, Jack Pierre, and it seems as though he's been playing really well too uh, during this camp. He's a lefty, 
Um, and that's pre predominantly where they've had him during this camp. And basically the, you know, one plus practices they've had with him in there as they kind of get him adjusted to what he needs to do to be successful here. But he's another one I think that you have to throw into the mix because he's looked really good um, and what he's been able to, to, to bring, uh, you know, obviously drafted um, by the Minnesota Wild, plays at St. Cloud. So um, Pierre has come in. He says that, you know, it's unfortunate that he replaces a guy like Barron's who should be here, but he knows it's an opportunity for him. And he's another one that I think you really have to watch out for. Now, remembering the, the team they had last year, right, Chris, uh, you know, Nate, uh, had nine defensemen that he kept and 13 forwards. And of course, the, the three goalies that they brought over to Edmonton. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm the one, like when I watch Nate and, and the way he coaches, the way he thinks about the game, I always have that sense that he wants to stick. If something worked really well or is working, he may want to stick to the same game plan the following year. Maybe it's different this year because of the lack of offense that maybe this team, a lot of people are saying that this team doesn't have the offensive firepower that last year's team did. And that may be the case, but the fact that you had 13 forwards last year, nine D three goalies, in some ways, I think that Nate and, and, and GM John Van Beesbrook are going to stick to that same uh, winning formula. I, I don't know. It, Do it could. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point because really that's where their that's where their depth is right so if you're bringing if you if you want to bring say you want to bring the 25 best skaters there is a really good chance that nine of those players are defensemen and, right. and that means you're only that means you're only cutting one guy from camp um and so the the other thing we'll you know as we'll we'll know we'll know when this comes out in terms of everything and i i'll you know i'll be also providing um uh, the kind of analysis of the roster as it comes out after that's after that's known, but you know you, you I, I agree with you as well in terms of like the thing for me is last year they brought nine defensemen I think Hunter Skinner played one game one right. um and right. and so you know and that was a you know there were other if you have an injury at forward and then all of a sudden you lose that thirteenth forward I think that thirteenth forward. The thing about international hockey is a 13th forward can be so valuable. Like Hockey Canada at this point is probably looking at Connor Bedard as their 13th forward. And then you can plug and play. If your top six isn't working, now you've got a top six guy to pull in there. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they took 14 forwards. Most teams have taken 14 forwards. Um, I think that having the flexibility of that and, that, and that opens the opportunity to say, okay, well, maybe player X who we think is really skilled and fast that didn't have a good camp can come in and help us score. Like say it's, you know, and I'm not trying to call them out for having a bad camp or anything. I'm just saying like guys that were kind of on the, on, on the bubble or likely not quite locks, like guys like Sam Eskevich, Smolanik, you know, maybe you have both, you bring both of those guys and say, one of them's going to work, right. You know what we think one of them will, yeah. will, will find their way. So there's a lot of different philosophies, but you're exactly right in, in that Nate Lehman is a bit of a creature of habit. And at the same time, um, I think that they really like the decor that they have. And, and, and if you have a guy like, say, a Scott Morrow, who's much more offensive minded, you, you know, maybe you get him. Uh, maybe you do have uh, dress 8D and go with 12 forwards, you know, like that's those are the types of things, the, the calculus that you kind of have to have. But I mean, in the, at the end of the day, really what matters is that you're probably going to play Jake Sanderson 25, 26, <laughs> 27 minutes. You know, Wyatt Kaiser has the potential to play um, a major minutes. Brock Faber has the potential to play with major minutes, those types of players. So, but it'll all come out soon. 
Um, yeah. and, 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 that, and the, thing, yeah. the other point there too, Chris, is yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the no, other point there go. is, um, so like last year, yes, it, it might've been a stronger offensive team. And this year being the strong defensive team, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, perhaps that makes it beneficial to bring more defensive players that are because this there's no doubt that this year the, the strength of this team is going to be on defense and what they're capable of doing. So if that's the case, then bring these bring these bring, bring these players from the defensive end that are going to be able to transition, that are going to create opportunities in the offensive end, whether it be rebounds whether it be shots from the point they get through, uh, goals scored. So I think this could be one of the better defensive clubs for the U.S. that we've seen in some time. So why not bulk up in the defense, you know, play to your strength. If it's defense, yeah. then bring the, bring the eight, not, you know, nine guys. No yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Mike. Cause I, I think, you know, essentially no matter who they bring, I think that the U.S. on paper has the best decor in the tournament. Um, you know, and that's just, that, you know, I think that a lot of that stems from, you know, that I think Jake Sanderson outside of Owen power is the best defenseman in this tournament. Um, you know, Simon Edvinson for, for Sweden is going to be outstanding as well. Um, I just have Sanderson and, and, and power ahead of him at this point. And, you know, Luke Hughes and the dynamic element that he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just so many different things and this defense can play kind of any way you need them to, but the, very, the most important thing is that they're mobile. They can all move. Every single right. one of these guys can absolutely move. Um, and uh, I'm really excited to see kind of what they end up coming up with um, in the end. So, and, and as I mentioned, it, you'll hear tomorrow, you'll hear at the beginning, of you, you've, if you're listening to the podcast now, you've already known what the roster is, but some of this is, is relevant to strategy and everything else that, that Team USA is going to be doing in this tournament. I'm going to move away from Team USA real quick and just kind of, you know, a couple of the other things that we're going to have to talk about is, you know, the specter of COVID continues to be over the tournament. Um, we learned that that Atu Ratu from Finland on Tuesday was uh, uh, part of a mandatory quarantine for his club team. And that is why he cannot come to the tournament because they are in a mandatory six day quarantine. If they don't arrive by December 15th, you're out. So you're not, you're not able to play for the team. Um, they, they are not allowing people to come in after that. They're trying to get it so that everybody's in and, and locked in by the 15th. That gives them a, an 11 day window to the tournament to mitigate any kind of COVID concerns of that, but it's still a factor. And, you know, I just, you've obviously had to cover it working in the NHL and, and NHL.com and looking at, we see players enter COVID protocol and all these other things that happen. But I mean, at this point, you know, that that's the other thing about roster building too, is you have to take that into account. So I just, you know, I don't really have a, a question so much as, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of where things are in on the COVID front? You know, everybody we expect is vaccinated, you know, most, most players are vaccinated. I think there's a, a requirement for most of them too. Um, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, but to actually ask a question so that I can be a good host and not be a complete rambling mess. Like I have been just this second um, <laughs> is that, is that, um, you know, I, I, I'm nervous about it. Are you nervous yeah. about it? <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Chris, I, it, you know, you say rambling and, 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 you know, talking it, it's, it's, this, these are uncommon times. It, it's, it's unusual situations for everybody, not just athletes, for sports writers, for people who cover tournaments such as this. Um, 
you know, last year when everything we, we knew everything was going to be in a Zoom lens, you kind of was like, okay, there were no fans involved. But this mm. year it's a little different, right? We're going to have fans in Red Deer. We're going to have fans in Edmonton. Obviously, the players are excited about that. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, Cole Perfetti, I remember getting on the, the Zoom call with him for Team Canada first day of their camp on December 9th. And he was so thrilled. He went on and on about having fans in Edmonton. But he says, you know, we still have to mask up. We still have to uh, remain, you know, distancing six feet apart. So this this is obviously on the minds of every player. It's a concern for every player. And I think it should be a concern. And for for we as sports uh, sports writers, we have the same type of concerns. I mean, obviously, you don't want to get sick when you're there. You, you don't want to. And if you are, then, you know, you're going to have to quarantine or else, you know, yeah. there's that there's that, you know, you could get someone else sick and then it just kind of spreads and it ruins it for everybody. But right. yeah, and you might not on, get back in the country too. You that's, might, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that's, 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 that's very good, true. That's yeah. my concern. <laughs> like, can I go home? Is, is, is am I going to make it back? For my daughter's birthday. On, but it is concern. Yeah. It is a concern, Chris. There's no it doubt is. about it. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone is aware of it. It's there. People are sick of talking about it. Let's let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. But it's there and you have to be careful. And let's just hope this tournament, you know, goes as smooth as we hope it will. And, and the same holds true for the for the National Hockey League as well. They're trying to do the best they can. Um, it's a difficult situation, difficult times. But I think everybody's in the same boat. And everybody sees what we need to do to get beyond this at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we got to we're, we're running short on time, but I did just want to ask you quickly about, you know, this is going to be a, an outstanding draft draft evaluation event. Um, you've got Shane Wright. We talked about Logan Cooley. You're going to have Danila Yurov. Um, Russia's not bringing Ivan Marashashenko, who was a, is a draft eligible player that I think a lot of people wanted to see, but not coming. Brad Lambert, who I know that you've talked with quite a bit this year. Um, Joachim Kamel. I mean, th th mm. this is an outstanding um, opportunity to see a, a large number of draft eligible players, guys that are also re-entries. You got a Dominic James, who maybe now he's going to get an opportunity to, to get drafted or, you know, things like that. But, you know, as far as for you, as somebody that covers the draft so closely, who are maybe the one or two guys that you're most intrigued to see in this environment? And that's not even mentioning Connor Bedard and, and Matt Vemichkov, who are 2023 draft eligibles who are insane. Um, but yeah. anyway, yeah. you know, just for 2022, who are maybe some of the guys where you're like, I, this is, this is a big, this is a big moment for them. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, uh, the defenseman for the Czech Republic, David Jerichek, uh, very good. Six six three, one hundred ninety pounds, Chris. Right, uh, yep. young kid, seventeen, you know, eighteen years old, two way defenseman, real a tremendous shot. Um, you know, playing in the you know professional league in the Czech Republic, he's a right hander, so that makes it even more, um, you know, that much more uh, of a commodity for some team looking for someone a big handed, right handed shot, but. I like uh, your check and, and what he may bring a guy that's kind of under the radar right now and will be in red deer uh, for Austria, Marco Casper, uh, mm -hmm. 6'1", 183 pounds. Looking forward to seeing him uh, a left-handed shot plays with a lot of energy, uh, real effective checker. will get in there, create scoring chances, real tough along the boards, 
from what I've seen in video. He's been compared a little bit from some of the scouts I've spoken to to a Nicholas Backstrom uh, type of player. And of course, he's he's in the Swedish. Ho- yeah, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> in, in the Swedish Hockey League. So Marco Casper is definitely someone. You, you mentioned uh, Joachim Kamel. I mean, wow, right? I mean, it, the kid gets injured, uh, comes back, and he's still leading or one of the top 10 scores yeah. in Liga, despite the fact that he, he was injured uh, for three weeks with that upper body. But um, great puck skills, offensive instincts. Uh, um, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, someone that a lot of teams are going to be clamoring about and talking about, you know, as we get closer to the draft. And of course, yeah, Brad Lambert, uh, he's another uh, draft prospect for this year that does a draft diary for us. So in addition to Logan Cooley, we got Brad Lambert as well doing a diary. So it's been great all season. Uh, Lambert, of course, um, you know, did play a little bit with JYP and Liga. Uh, smart playmaker, a real good two-way game. He can he can run a power play for you. Um, and, and Yuri uh, Slavovsky, um, you know, yeah. from Slovakia. And Slovakia, of course, is going to be in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slovakia as a whole, and they have good young talent, as you mentioned, Chris. They're going to be in that U.S. Uh, you know group of death and group B, which is so tremendously strong. But Slavkovsky, uh, you know, versatile forward. He can play wing. He can play center, very mobile, good puck control, has a big frame at about 6'3", 220 pounds. Um, you know, he, he's he's Slovakian born, but he plays uh, playing. He's playing in Finland with TPS, from what I remember, uh, yep. in league. So, yep. um, yeah, that, that's another. And it's been a while since we saw, you know, a Slovakia born player, you know, chosen, um, you know, in the, in the, in the first round, uh, right. In the, sure. Yeah. In the first round, I, no, I, let alone a guy that could very well him and Simon Nemitz. And, and then there's also Philip Mesar. Like they're all, yep. They're all legit first round potential talents and, and guys that, that could play a pretty significant uh, role in this tournament. So yeah, if you, you know, don't sleep on Slovakia. They also have Delibor Dvorsky, who is a two, yes. 2023 draft eligible who, <laughs> is like setting the earth on fire with uh, in the U 20 ranks in Sweden right now. So, you know, it's really, it's really been amazing um, to see the growth of the game in the world. And and I think that we're, we're going to have so many, you know, I mentioned Bedard, Mitchkov, Dvorsky, the guys for 2023. Unfortunately, we would have seen Charlie, you know, Char- Charlie Stramel for the U S uh, would have been another great 2023. And you know what? I even had some, some NHL scouts saying, that uh, Adam Fantilli from the Chicago Steel should have been on Team Canada's be roster because <laughs> of how well he's played this year. Yeah, and these yeah. are guys, 2022, 2023, could not be more excited for the classes that we're going to have, the, the depth of talent from the variety of countries that they're coming from. It's a lot of fun to do it. And make sure, everybody, you read Mike Morial on NHL.com. He's going to have plenty of World Junior coverage. He's also a, a must-follow for the NHL draft. He gets such great insight. Also, is often a man on the inside when he's talking to NHL Central Scouting. So you get a lot of insight that way as well. But Mike, thank you so much for joining Talking Hockey Sense. It is uh, an absolute honor and pleasure to have you, my friend. Um, and I wish you nothing but the best the rest of the season here. This was a lot of fun, Chris. Really appreciate it. Be well, my friend. All right, once again, my thanks to Mike Morial, just a peach of a human and certainly uh, one of my favorites to to join on the road. And yeah, I mean, a lot to unpack from, from everything there. Uh, but before I get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Team Canada. So Canada also finalized its roster. Um, 
you know, as of right now, they've got 25 players on the list. One of the guys on the list is Kent Johnson, who has not joined the team yet. Um, he is, of course, at the University of Michigan and a number five overall draft pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets, a great young player that is, you know, certainly a guy that I'm really excited to see in this tournament. However, not currently available. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see. By the time that you uh, are listening to this podcast, we may have a better understanding of Kent Johnson's status for Team Canada. Uh, but to my latest knowledge, he had not yet joined the team in Canada. And if he wasn't there by the 15th, I don't know necessarily what that means for you know him actually being able to play in the tournament. But that aside, let's get to the players that are going to be part of Team Canada. And we'll, we'll I'm just going down the list from the Canadian roster. Really, you know, I think of a well-balanced team. A lot of offensive firepower, quality blue line led by number one overall pick Owen Power, really strong goaltending, uh, but a lot to, uh, to to get to on the Team Canada front. But here is the list of Team Canada's players that are, will be going to the World Juniors. Dylan Gunther, of course, uh, an early pick of the Arizona Coyotes, Logan Stanko, Stankoven, uh, Cole Perfetti. Uh, Winnipeg Jets prospect and a returnee from last year's team. Jake Neighbors, who spent time with the St. Louis Blues earlier this season. Kent Johnson, who I just mentioned. Shane Wright, the presumed, presumed number one pick in 2022. Connor Bedard, very strong prospect, 16 years old. Very special player, draft eligible in 2023. Ridley Gregg, Xavier Borgo, Elliot Desnoyers, uh Maverick Bork, Mason McTavish, who was one of the standouts at the Under-18 World Championship and the number three overall pick of the Anaheim Ducks this past draft. Justin Sordiff, Will Cooley, Olin Zellweger uh, is on defense. It is an all-lefty decor. All eight defensemen taken are left shots. Olin Zellweger will be one of the guys that will be playing on the right side, as could potentially Lucas Cormier, who's had an outstanding season in the QMJHL. Carson Lambos, first-round pick of the Minnesota Wild. Donovan Sobrango, Ronan Seeley. And Caden Gooley, who's a returnee from last year's team. Owen Power, the number one overall pick. Ryan O'Rourke, who is a good two-way defenseman who plays for the Sioux Greyhounds. In net, Sebastian Kosa, top uh, top pick of the Detroit Red Wings in the last draft. Brett Brochu from the London Knights. And Dylan Garand, who was actually on the team last year. And very much in the conversation to start. So when you look at this Canadian roster, you you know the things that stand out immediately are the young guys, Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, both earning their keep, earning a shot to play an outsized role. This is a team that is well-balanced. It's not just highly skilled. They have some gritty guys. They have guys that are that can do a little bit of everything, like a Mason McTavish. You know, I think he's going to be such a huge part of this team. Shane Wright, probably going to play up in the lineup. As of right now, Connor Bedard kind of being forced to earn his way onto a, a larger role with this team. I think he's going to get there. He was one of their best forwards in camp. Uh, but then, you know, you have other guys like Logan Stankoven who can do a lot of different things and Jake Neighbors, who's more of a two-way kind of guy and gives you some physicality. You have one of the elite playmakers in all, uh, you know, outside of the NHL currently in Cole Perfetti, who I think is just has insane vision and some of the best hockey sense you're going to see. Um, so this is a very good team. You know, the, the all-lefty decor, I'm not sure how much it matters. Um, the fact that you know Jack Thompson, who was a right right shot invited to camp, was not eligible to come in because he was quarantining with the Sudbury Wolves. Really unfortunate there. And then Vincent Iorio was the other right shot invited to camp. He was released. Um, and then there was also Damon Hunt, who was a defenseman that was cut from camp. 
he was injured in the last day. He almost certainly, or he would have been on the team. Um, so, you know, not a, not a great, uh, a great opportunity there. He's had a lot of bad injury luck and you feel for a guy that, that makes it to that point and then, you know, gets cut. But Canada also made some really, you know, surprising cuts. The two forwards that I was most surprised to see let go were Hendricks Lapierre, who saw games with the Washington Capitals this year, and Luke Evangelista, who has been a, a very talented player over the last few seasons. You know, in the OHL this year, he's been averaging close to a goal per game um, and, and being more of a driver. So I thought those two guys had a really good chance. But I think what Hockey Canada did is, you know, they're, they're certainly looking for guys that can fit roles, maybe LaPierre wasn't going to fit within their top six, and that's why he had to go. Um, same with Evangelista. Maybe they just felt they had better options. And, you know, when guys like Connor Bedard are playing as well as they are at 16 years old, and you have to make room for them, you have to make tough decisions uh, because you also want to support that player and put him in a position to succeed. So you want to make sure that if he is getting into the lineup in a regular way, he's get, going with the best possible teammates, and he's already got some chemistry with guys like Shane Wright and even Dylan Gunther. So we'll have to see exactly what will come from that. Uh, but certainly I can't wait to see Bedard and Wright. Um, certainly looking forward to seeing Owen Power at the World Juniors. I think he's going to be a dominant performer for this team. He's going to play a ton of minutes. Um, you know, he's already got a World Championship gold medal. Now he's looking to get a World Junior gold medal. Uh, but to me, I think the really, and we've talked about this last week, the strength of this team very well could be a net. And it's not a given that Sebastian Kosa is the starter, even though he has the, the higher draft pedigree, Dylan Garand was on the team last year. He's actually put up better numbers in the WHL this year. Uh, I think he's a guy that they like a lot at Hockey Canada, and he very well could be the number one. Either way, Canada's got a legit starter, a guy that can help them win the gold medal. And I think this is going to be a really solid team. And are they the favorites? Probably. I mean, I think they're the deepest team on paper. I like their their offensive attack. But I don't think it's a, a runaway freight train. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that. I think there's such a huge gap in talent between them and in the U.S. and Russia and, and even Sweden and Finland to maybe to a lesser extent. But so I think there's a really a big race for gold. And that's what I'm looking forward to. We're going to have a, a much more, uh, you know, tournament centric, uh, tournament centric kind of uh, look next week. And I hope to have another guest then um, for that podcast as we. Uh, preview the tournament as a whole and that's when i'll give you kind of like some of my predictions of of who i think will win and all those other things like that today we're just kind of getting the rosters out there um and this is what we've got hockey canada usa hockey final rosters are in now we know who the two north american teams are going to be gives us a, a good idea uh, but the European teams have been finalized as well. So I wanted to talk real quickly about that because there were some developments in the last uh, couple of days um, about that. And one of them was Team Finland is losing one of their top players in Atu Ratu, um, who you may recall from the Summer World, uh, the World Junior Summer Showcase, which was going on simultaneously with the NHL draft. And uh, Atu Ratu was cut from this team last year. He was on the team as an underager the year before. Uh, Saw his draft stock tumble in the third round. Then he absolutely went off at the World Junior Summer Showcase. Was the best forward for any team in that tournament. And that was Sweden and USA was there. And now he is not going to be able to come to this tournament. He is His team in Finland is under a mandatory quarantine for six days. Because of that, he was not going to be able to test out of the quarantine. And was not able to join his team in camp. Was not able to join them on their flight to Canada. And therefore is ruled out for the tournament 
absolutely unfortunate for the player. Even more unfortunate for Team Finland. Rami Mata is also out of the tournament for the same reason. Uh, Alexi Hamoselmi, uh, who plays for Asat, uh, did not uh, is not going to have to quarantine, even though the team did, because he already has been cleared due to a previous COVID infection, according to uh, Ilta Sanomat, uh, the uh, the paper in Finland, and my good pal Sammy Hoffren, who does a phenomenal job uh, covering all things Finnish hockey for that publication. And hopefully we'll get to see Sammy in Canada. Um, but I'll tell you what, it is uh, it is awful to see. It's something, you know, I mentioned earlier, Thomas Bordalo knocked out because of a positive COVID. Uh, Barron, same thing. We don't know the status of Kent Johnson. I'm not saying he has COVID because that's not confirmed, but, he, you know, he's... We don't know why he's not with Team Canada right now and what the delay was in getting him to camp. Um, but, you know, it's said to be illness-related. So, you know, this is something that we have to continue to deal with. It's something that's gonna that all the teams have to contend with, um, you know, and, and it knocks guys out here and there. Um, you know, Russia, that leads me to my next point. So, you know, I think the COVID specter hanging over everything also – this is me projecting a little bit here and guessing, but I have a feeling that Russia didn't want to deal with the headaches of bringing in players into their bubble. Um, and that is one of the reasons why they did not take a single player that was playing for a North American team. Um, so that means no Jan Kuznetsov, no Daniel Cheka or Chaika, no um, Daniel Gushin. Um, the forward cuts that they made weren't, weren't surprising to me. The two defensemen that they are not bringing, Jan Kuznetsov and Daniel, Daniel Cheka, are two guys that were on the team last year that are better players now than they were then, um, and now they're not going to have that opportunity. Uh, Sergei Zubov is the head coach. He basically said that he felt comfortable with the guys they had. He felt that they took the strongest players. Um, you know, I personally feel that Cheka and, and Kuznetsov are better than some of the guys they're taking, but... I'm not the one that has to try to compete for a gold medal. Now, I saw a lot of an uproar about who Russia took and who they didn't. Um, it should also be noted that they did also cut Ivan Rashashenko, who was one of the top draft prospects for this upcoming draft. Um, Zubov said, you know, basically he was not in condition to play. I don't know if that's, you know, based on the translation that the, the Russian Hockey Federation provided. I don't know if that means that he was ill or if he was out of shape. It's kind of hard to to figure that out um, based on the context that we have. And, and it's not something that we can readily ask about at this point. Um, but, you know, I think that Russia, I, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, just on Twitter that this is political, that there's bias, that there's all those things. And, and there certainly is bias and, and things of that nature. But I also think one of the really important things to note is the difference between being on a North American team and then also being uh, playing domestically in Russia is there are opportunities for those players that are playing domestically in Russia to join the U20 team for tournaments. So they play in other things, other events. Um, and that actually happened earlier this year where they took a lot of the players that are on this roster now, put them in a tournament together, and it allowed them to play together. Then they also had a camp in Russia that began you know, weeks ago. So they've already been begun their preparations as this group. And then you want to try and bring in two players or three players or four players or however many you want and bring them into that group that to me can create a different dynamic. And I think that they are stealing themselves against that. Now, again, this is me guessing. I know, you know, giving, 
giving R the Russian Hockey Federation the benefit of the doubt is not exactly a habit that I'm in, but I also want you to consider this. This is a team that hasn't won a gold medal since 2011. And if you think that that's not burning the Russian Hockey Federation, you're crazy. They are all about gold medals. They they do want to send messages to players about whether or not, you know, trying to stay home, keeping them home and making sure that they stay in the Russian Hockey Federation for as long as possible and also play in the KHL. That's why Matt Vaymichkov is under contract for you know the rest of attorney. Not not quite that far, but you know long enough to that he's basically three years past his draft year. He's tied to the KHL. Um, but at the same time, this is a team that if if they thought Jan Kuznetsov and Daniel Chaika were the difference between gold and sending a message, they're picking the gold medal. I, I'm telling you right now, they are not a team that is going to try to score points politically because you know when when it makes their team worse i really don't think that you know zubov said that he felt they were bringing this the the strongest team i may disagree with that he may not even mean that i don't really know but at the same time you know i think these teams especially now in covid times we do have to give these teams a little bit of slack for the decisions that they make because sometimes it's a decision that they're forced into or it's a decision that they're making out of sake of comfort. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see kind of where this goes from here. Uh, but, you know, Russia's bringing their team over. Hopefully everybody's healthy. Everybody's cleared. Very excited to see Matt Vaymichkov and, and Connor Bedard square off again if they get that opportunity. Um, you know, they also have Danila Yurov and, and uh, Sergey Grudinin, who are going to be, you know, draft eligible guys. Yaroslav Askarov is the goaltender. Didn't have a great World Juniors last year. Could he come back and 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 be the superstar that we know that he can be, as as he was, uh, you know, in previous uh, in previous settings. Um, so they have a really good team still on the blue line. Shahir Muhammadulin is absolutely, um, you know, one of the most rapidly rising developing players. I think the New Jersey Devils took a lot of flack from me too. I was part of that, giving them crap for for taking Muhammadulin. And he has developed into a really solid two-way defenseman that's played big minutes in the pros. And I think he's going to play a huge role for Russia at this tournament. Kirill Kursanov, who was on the team last year, LA Kings draft, draft pick, very mature, playing a big role. I like him a lot on this blue line as well. I think that, you know, it would be a better blue line with Kuznetsov and Chaika on it. But I'm not Sergei Zubov. It's not my call. And all I can say is, yeah, that, but... You know, I, again, I just, I really don't think that um, Russia is in the business of scoring points when there's a gold medal at hand. So I just wanted to make that clear because I think, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. All right. So um, also uh, a couple of other notes here on teams, you know, the Swedish Federation got a nice boost. Alexander Holtz was made available for their team, so he's going to be on their roster, um, in, in, and that's a huge, huge boost to them. They obviously have William Eklund, who was already sent back to Sweden, um, Simon Edmondson, Jesper Wallstedt. That team has, you know, they have the cornerstone players. They have the elite goaltender, the elite defenseman, and, you know, really two elite offensive forwards in Holtz and Eklund, and those guys have a history together. They played together last year. You have to assume that they're going to play together on this tournament. Um, then you have guys like Isak Rosin. You've got uh, um, uh, you know Oscar Olasson, who's had a very good season in the OHL with Barry. So 
that's going to be a team to watch. Finland, despite losing Ratu, they still are going to have Joachim Kamel, who's coming off of an injury and, and has been one of the top scoring players in Liga, U20 or otherwise, and is, you know, just having a, a record-setting season. Going to be excited to see him. Brad Lambert did make the team. I think he was a little bit on the bubble there for a bit, and there was a question as to whether or not he was going to make it. He did. Um, he played on the team last year, so we'll, we're expecting big things from him. Topi Niemela is uh, one of the teams. He'll be the team's top defenseman. He's going to play a ton of minutes, and I think he's going to make a huge difference for them. They've got good goaltending in Levy Miralainen and also uh, uh, um, Philip Blomquist. Um, so they've got goalies that can absolutely play um, and give them a chance in this tournament. They're going to have to play really good Team D. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens there with that group, but, uh, you know, Niemela and, and also, um, Kamel Lambert going to be a, a team to watch the Czech Republic, a guy that you should know if you're a fan of the NHL draft, David, you're um, Mike Morial mentioned him. Um, and I, th I really do think that, that he's a guy that is, is going to do something special. Slovakia, as we mentioned, big time team to watch. Um, so a lot there, to kind of get to and as 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 Mike and I mentioned with with you know Slavkovsky and and Nemitz and uh, Mesar and all this stuff, so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing that that group as well. So that's a very rough cut. Um, before I get to your questions, I also wanted to quickly address USA Hockey announced on a Tuesday that Bill Guerin will take over as as general manager for Team USA at the Olympics if the NHL players go. That certainly looks more tenuous. However. Uh, Garen and new assistant GM Chris Drury and USA Hockey's executive director Pat Kelleher and then also John Van Beesbrook, the assistant executive director for hockey operations, all expressing sincere hope and positive feelings that the NHL players will indeed go. They are understanding that some players may opt out. Uh, I think that there probably could be enough players that will say, yes, we want to go, that it will be um, you know, up to the players and it'll be their choice. I think that they'll have enough to have a credible tournament. Will it be a best on best? That's harder to say. Uh, we don't know that yet. Uh, Bill Guerin did confirm to me today on that conference call that there are 55 players in Team USA's player pool. And of those players, Jack Eichel is one of them. He's not ruled out. Garen is, would not say whether or not he is he is going to be on the team, but he said he is not ruling him out at this point. So that's a bit of a development. Jack Eichel, of course, had an, uh, a new surgery to have his uh, artificial disc replaced. Um, in this artificial disc replacement surgery, playing in the Olympics would be about three months out, which is when the you know the most optimistic timeline had him ready to play in games with contact. So we will wait and see what that means. But Bill Guerin also should be noted, um, you know, that he has an open safe sport investigation against him brought forward by um, uh, Jared and Aaron Scaldi. Um, as you may recall, there was an investigation. The Penguins and the Scaldis have since settled that. Um, every account that I, that has, you know, been said publicly. And again, you, you know, you take it with the grain of salt, knowing that you only have one side of the story, but um, everything that I've heard and also from sources around that there is a, a feeling of comfort that Garen was informed of this and immediately ran that up the chain. Um, so he did his his job in terms of reporting up the chain and into HR and 
Um, that is something that, you know, there's more, there's more written about that. Um, uh, there, so definitely check that out. But the fact that there was a safe sport investigation open against him did make, leave some doubt as to whether or not he would be Stan Bowman's replacement. I think that was part of the reason why USA hockey just didn't automatically hand him the job. I think they were hoping that the safe sport investigation would be expedited. That did not happen. Uh, but Bill Guerin in general, I think, you know, he, he is very well respected. He's done, you know, plenty of things in his career. Um, you know, very positive things. He's obviously won some Stanley Cups and things like that. Um, we don't know the full, full, you know, full accounting of what happened um, in that incident with the Scaldies. And hopefully, um, everybody, you know, in terms of the Penguins with that that settlement, and also the all parties are, you know, moving in the right direction. It's hard to say move on from from a from a tough situation like that, but moving in the right direction. Um, it, it appears that USA Hockey is very confident that whatever is going on with the safe sport investigation is not going to turn up um, anything that would preclude Garen from being involved with Team USA. Um, aside from that, there wasn't a whole lot of news in that. There was a little bit about the plan B. Um, if NHL players are unable to go, it appears that, you know, they will go with that same model that they had in 2018, where it would be European pro players, college hockey players. That is who they would potentially, um, seek out in terms of, um, that plan B roster. As I talked with, with Brad Schlossman a couple weeks ago, it's not a given that every college player they ask will say yes. I think it's not a given that every European pro that they ask would say yes. There are a lot of concerns about the quarantine situation in in uh, China. You know, it's been told to the players that if they test positive and and are unable to you know recover in a timely fashion and and are you know stuck in a hotel room, it could be three to five weeks of being stuck in China. And on top of that, you're missing time and missing pay from the NHL. So I think things are moving in a direction where it's looking more and more likely that plan B is going to have to be necessary. Um, January 10th is that significant date that we're looking at because the NHL also has the option to opt out. If they have, and they've basically said, if there are enough games that get canceled, and there have been a lot more postponements in the NHL over the last week, um, then there is a, there is the potential to to remove them, uh, you know, basically to remove the players from that situation. And then at, at that point, you're looking at a situation. I, I, I'm guessing if the players as a whole in the NHLPA decide not to go, that's going to be for everybody on an NHL contract. Um, but I mean, how it's going to be very interesting. How are you going to keep Alex Ovechkin from trying to, you know, go represent Russia? How much do you think it burned him watching that team win gold with no NHLers? I mean, like, that's the thing that I just, I can't see. I know there are going to be players out there that are just so desperate to go to this event that they are willing to take on those risks and that you might not get a consensus in the NHLPA and therefore might be able to get a very reasonable roster put together. All right. So I put a call out very late for questions about, um, you know, the, the tournament and I got a ton and I'm really excited about that because you guys always ask great questions and it'll allow me to uh, to figure that all out. So without further ado, I'm going to get this thing kicked off with a couple of listener questions regarding Team USA. All right, the first question comes from Jake Baskin. And he asks, 
if you were making the decisions for Team USA, what would the leadership group be? I think that it's generally already decided. Um, they haven't announced captains or anything like that. Maybe by the time that this podcast comes out, they will have announced captains. But I think the general consensus is it's going to be one of Matty Beniers or Jake Sanderson wearing the C. I'd have a hard time picking between the two of them. I think both of them are excellent. They've both been in that role in the past um, and and certainly have been comfortable with it. I think that Sanderson um, is you know was kind of the leader of that that age group, so I would imagine that he's going to be the one with the C. Uh, Beniers, I'm sure, will have a letter, and then I think it would be either or maybe both of Brett Berard and Brock Faber wearing the other A's on that team. And they're returning players. They're guys that have been there. Um, I'd imagine Berard has a has an inside track on the letter just because the style that he plays, um, you know, is is so infectious. But I know that there's a, a lot of respect for what Brock Faber brings to the table. So I would say, you know, captain would be Sanderson with alternates being Beniers and probably Berard or Brock Faber. Um, but you never know. It's always interesting to see. I just think when the, the coach is, has, was with the team last year, he knows uh, pretty pretty solidly who it's going to be. Um, this next question is about Matthew Nyes, who, of course, is a Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick. William Provost asks, does Matthew Nyes have a legitimate chance to be on the tournament all-star team? Well, it's a tough prediction to make, but I will say this about Matthew Nyes is that I think he's going to be such a huge part of what USA is doing in this tournament. He's a power forward. He's very good and tight at the net. He can score the greasy goals, but he's also got good skill. You know, he can score from distance, which I think is really the one of the outstanding traits for him is he's got such a good release that it's really, you know, easy for him to, to find ways to get to the net and to find different ways to score goals. Um, you know, he's an Arizona kid. Obviously had a, a huge influence. Austin Matthews, you can kind of see some of those elements. He's he's really good at changing the angle of a shot. He gets the the release off so quickly. So I do think you know instead of saying that I think he'll be on the tournament All Star team, which I mean we're talking about a huge field of players, um, you know, and and it's it's all stat driven. Um, you know, I think that he's very much going to be a top six forward for Team USA. I think he's pretty much locked in there. He was one of their best players in the in the summer evaluation camp and has been outstanding for Minnesota to date this season. Um, if you've been following my work for the last few months, you know how much of a believer I've become in, in Matthew Nyes and how much I'm kicking myself that I didn't listen to my good friend Matt Moran, who was just pushing to, to, to me to say, hey, this kid is going to be a first-round draft pick. So, Matty Moe, good call. Um, he wasn't a first round draft pick, but I mean, the way that he's played, he certainly looks like he could have been one. Um, and, and I, I really like what he brings to the table. We're going to keep it with the Maple Leafs because this next one comes from Andrew Huska. Will Topi Niemela be the best defenseman of the tournament? You guys are asking me these questions about who will be the best defenseman, who will be on the all-star team. And it's tough to say, because obviously you've still got Jake Sanderson and you've got Owen power and you've got all these different people in there, but absolutely Topi Niemela has in the mix to be one of the top defensemen in this tournament. He is going to play a mountain of minutes for Finland. He is by far their best defenseman. I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of his skill level. And, and, you know, you look at the season that he's having in Liga right now, and he's producing at a high level. Um, I love the way he walks the blue line. He extends plays. He makes really good heads-up plays in the defensive zone, um, smooth with with everything that he does, and just a very heady player. So I think he absolutely could be one of those guys that is in the mix for the director award because I do think he'll put up a significant amount of points. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, 
when they are up against the best of the best, how how far is Finland going to end up going? That often plays a huge role in who's going to be in the director award winner or who's going to be the best defenseman in the tournament. You know, your team has to win too. So that's uh, that's one of the things. All right, we're moving to Team Canada, and this one comes from Chris Bacone. Is Kosa the clear-cut starter for Canada? Well, I addressed this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to kind of talk about it a little bit more here because – you know, Hockey Canada has maintained throughout their camp process that they were not crowning a number one goalie coming out of the selection camp, and they haven't yet. As I've recorded this, they really haven't picked a guy to be the number one starter. They're going to have a couple of pre-tournament games, or actually three pre-tournament games, I believe, where they're going to be able to get a very good look at what um, what's available to them in terms of Dylan Grand, Brett Brochu, and Sebastian Kosa. I think whoever plays the most of those games, we're going to get a very good idea of who the number one is. But before the tournament begins, but it is not clear cut that either he or that Kosa or Garand are the starter. I think that they all have a chance. I think the competition is wide open. And I think no matter who they pick in that situation, they are getting a quality, uh, quality guy that can give them a chance to win. So it's just a matter of which one will be better. You know, Devin Levi came out of nowhere last year to be the best goalie on Canada. Um, Dylan Garand, uh, you know, he's not as big as Sebastian Kosa, who is being listed on Canada's roster as six foot seven. Last I checked, he was six foot six, but maybe he did grow an inch. And if he did, holy smokes, because uh, he is he is one of the quickest big goalies that I've had the pleasure of watching. So very much looking forward to getting some more live looks at Sebastian Kosa um, when I get to Alberta. But certainly. Um, not a clear-cut decision for them. Garand, I think, is is a guy that really has a chance to be the number one and very well could be. So uh, don't be surprised if that happens. Um, the next one comes from at Sens, uh, Sens Please Win. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Sens Please Win, Richard. Uh, any sleeper teams that you think could make a run to the gold medal game? You know, I really don't think out of outside of, you know, USA, Canada, Russia, Finland, Sweden, which have been the kind of the go-to teams, I don't necessarily think anybody's going to be there. However, I do think the sleeper team, the team that has a chance to make more noise than anybody's going to give them credit for is Slovakia. And I've been on the Slovakia train for, you know, pretty much since the the Holinka Gretzky Cup. It was not an easy train to jump on because Slovakia has been dreadful in international hockey for the last several years. Gone are the days of Marian Hosa and, and Zdeno Chara on your on your team. However, there is a new birth year. The 2004 birth year is absolutely the best class of, of Slovakian players that may really have come along in a long time. Um, you've got Simon Nemitz, who I mentioned earlier. You've got uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. You've got Philip Mesar. Um, you also have, he's not a, an 04, but a 2005, and Dalibor Dvorsky, who's out, uh, you know, a 2023 draft eligible. I do think that that team is going to make the, the the quarterfinal, and if they get the right draw, you know, let's in the group of death, they're likely going to end up in fourth place. What does that mean for them in the quarterfinal? Canada. So that's about as far as I think that they would be able to go. It's also going to really be incumbent upon Simon Lacozzi to essentially steal games for them, as he has shown in the past that he can do. He plays in the USHL. He's been a very good goalie there. Um, played in the World Juniors last year. I'm going to be fascinated to see how he translates. But Slovakia is going to be a team that has a chance to disrupt some 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 hopes. If uh, you know, and if they can maybe get into that three spot and say catch a, a Finland, then maybe they got a chance. So that's one of the things I'm going to be really fascinated about. Slovakia is not going to be a pushover. That's my prediction for them. All right. 
Our next question comes from World Hockey Report. Who gets relegated? Well, it's going to be a tough race because in one side of the bracket, you've got you know the bottom two teams are Slovakia and Switzerland. And on the other side of the bracket, you're looking at um you know you're you're looking at Germany and Austria. Now, Germany is going to be without several of their key players. Uh, it does not appear that the Chicago Blackhawks are loaning Lucas Reichel. We already know Tim Stutzel is busy. Um, you know, and then there's uh, I don't know the status of JJ Paterka yet as this is is coming out. They do have good players in their mix. They have some solid goaltending. Um they they may have the goods to beat Austria, but that's going to be the battle. I think is is which of those two teams make it into the medal round, and then whoever's left is probably at the mercy of Switzerland, which is has fallen on hard times. But I think that they have enough depth in the Swiss team to to stay up. So I'm going to say that Austria is the most likely team to be relegated, um, and it pains me to say that because I always like to see new nations get in there and get an opportunity, but I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Um, this next question uh, comes from Scotiaboy. Thoughts and predictions on Connor Bedard. This is a good place to end it because I think, you know, I talked about Connor Bedard and, you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about him a lot because he's going to be a very important player in, in our game. Um, he's going to be a guy that is uh, that is going to turn a lot of heads. I mean, I've never seen anybody that shoots the puck quite like him. He has speed. He has explosiveness. He has creativity. Um, shoots off the backhand about as well as anybody I've ever seen on this side of Crosby. Um, and, and certainly Patrick Kane's got a great backhander, but there's a way that the puck explodes off of Bedard's stick, even on a backhand, where you're just like, how is that possible? How does it do that? So um, I think that... Basically, here's my prediction. As of right now, Hockey Can is making Connor Bedard earn everything he gets. I think he plays his way into the top six. He finishes somewhere around seven or eight points, which would be incredible at his age. Um, and, you know, scores some big goals for this team. Um, I could see his time, ice time dwindling in some of the bigger games just because of the way that this Canadian roster is set up. Um, you know, will he get those tough matchups? Will they try to shelter him? Will they try to protect him? I think all of the above is possible. So, um, you know, I think that he is going to be a very significant player in this team. Now, if he blows, if, you know, if he has somewhere in the 10 point range, I mean, even if he has in the eight point range, he's a freak of nature. Um, you know, if he goes beyond that, well, then I'm just downright petrified. He's going to have a good little battle too. And I think having, uh, Matt Vemichkov, the two of those guys, they might not talk about it. They are silently competitive. I'm not trying to pit them against each other. I'm just saying that they're going to be motivated by what the other is doing, and there is going to be a bit of one-upsmanship. We saw it at the World Under 18s. It was one of the most fascinating things I've ever watched at that tournament, watching two young guys go at it the way that they did in, in terms of putting up points and scoring goals. So I think it's going to be a real outstanding opportunity for all parties to see some of the best uh, that that I the the best that you know that we can offer here and in, in the, at this stage. So that is my take on Connor Bedard. And the last question I lied. There's one more question, and this one is just a selfish one. Um, and this one comes from uh, uh, where is it? I just lost it. Oh man, 
this is not good podcast. This is not good podcasting right here. This is not good podcasting. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it looks like I may not have. Oh, there it is. Vince Mercogliano. Thank you very much. I just did his podcast. You can go check that out. He asked me if I'm tired yet. And I am. See, I was so tired I couldn't even find your tweet, Vince. So uh, I am tired, but you know what? This is the best time of the year. I am so fired up for the World Juniors every single time it comes around. Um, you know, this is really the event that helped launch my writing career uh, as an independent at the United States of Hockey. I plan to cover it like crazy. So I'm asking you one more time, please subscribe to Hockey Sense with Chris Peters at hockeysense.substack.com. Please subscribe to this podcast. Leave a rating and a kind review. We'll have the full World Junior preview, the team-by-team look and everything else. Um, I will have a guest or two. It's going to be a large podcast. Hopefully it will go well with your Christmas uh, dinner and your uh, holiday family gatherings and play it over the loudspeakers next to the... uh, Next to the Christmas carols. No, don't do that because that would be really weird and you would be shunned by your family for playing a weird podcast when you're trying to be uh, merry and and make merry and all that other stuff. So, uh, but please do subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, um, share it, and and let your friends know. And you can follow along on all the coverage at dailyfaceoff.com. Hockey Sense with Chris Peters are right here on Talking Hockey Sense. It is just beginning, folks. We are only a few weeks away from the World Juniors. Cannot wait to bring you so much more coverage. And I thank you again for your support and for listening. And if you've made it this far, the code word is Captain America. Captain America. Uh, You can send me a tweet and I will then send you a GIF. You get nothing more than a GIF. I'm sorry. But thank you for listening this far. That's going to do it for this week's episode. My name is Chris Peters. This is Talking Hockey Sense. We'll catch you next time.